mean, I can't help but think, did all these spelling bees take place at Hogwarts? Is that what they're going to explore <laughs> during during the development of the HBO show? I want to see, like, Harry Potter do, like, The Office, where it's, like, workplace comedy, but, like, Ministry of Magic. Yo, I wanted to see, like, the teachers in college, like, like almost like the UC teachers, guys. You know, they went there, and then, you know, they never got a life afterwards, and then they just went straight back. You know what I'm saying? And then, like, look at McGonagall. Think of her, like, at prom getting down on tables and shit. Those who can't do, teach. <laughs> and those who can't teach end up like Miss Cattle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Joe. Do you not like that one? Are we still on? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Nerd Shit Live. We're... Welcome to Joe's last episode of Nerd Shit Live, everyone. What did I just incriminate myself? Nah, I don't feel bad about that. I, 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 I hold the belief that uh, if my kid was getting spoken to the way that I was spoken to by some kid, by some teachers that I went to, like, in school, that taught me in school, basically, uh, I would fucking sue the shit out of them. But that's not neither here or there, and we can worry about that another day. Catholic <laughs> school, am I right? What'd you say? I said Catholic school, am I right? You just don't got to worry about those fucking CCD kids. <laughs> I, I was a public school slash CCD kid, so. Oh, my God. You're part of the, Bro. You're part of the, you're part yeah. of the pen stealing problem. Problem. That's what you are. Yeah, it's honestly, and like, here's the thing: it's not to incriminate you or anything, Nick, but you know, you have a pencil in a backpack somewhere that came out of a Catholic school kid's desk. Dude, dude, I was, I went to Catholic, I went to CCD in a town where I didn't go to school, and I didn't know anybody, so I was just like that random kid who they're like, oh yeah, who's that guy? For years. No, it's CCD kids. Why we have the public policy: do not leave valuables. In uh, public spaces, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you caused it. Exactly. Yeah. Let me ask you, Nick. When you're in the office, do you also rearrange your coworkers' desks as well? I do. I actually—it's <laughs> not a joke. Actually, you can you can ask you know John Chang soon, Ryan Kassir, ask those guys. Yeah, I'm bad. Yeah. I got. I I must have I, I undiagnosed OCD. Mm-hmm. No, you got diagnosed CCD. That's what you got, <laughs> bro. You came That's down you... with CCD. That's what you got is. a case of CCD real hard. <laughs> real hard. And you want to know what else uh, went real hard this year, you guys? The Last of Us Part 2. Now that's a fucking segue what a right segue. there. What a, what wow. a, what a, I didn't even say Ben Shapiro. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting to him. Yeah, by all accounts, though, if you ask his wife, he's pretty soft. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Last of Us Part 2, you guys, uh, it won the most decorated, it's now literally the most decorated game in game history. It won, I think it's something like 218 Game of the Year awards, I believe, and it totally beat out The Witcher 3 for being the most decorated game of all time, uh, which is kind of funny because uh, it faced a lot of controversy when it came out. So, um, you know, what's your take on that? I mean, having having played both games, I'm a pad. You said you haven't played Witcher 3, right? I just started it. 
Oh, okay, okay. I mean, having played both games, I definitely think... It, like, it's different. Witcher 3 is definitely more fun, but The Last of Us 2, which just, it, it was amazing. It was just so good. The story in Witcher 3 is nothing like Last of Us 2, but either way, I mean, like, even Joe played Last of Us 2, and Joe doesn't play video games, and even yeah. he knows it was an amazing game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, however, um, actually, going... Uh, dive, jumping right into that, Joe. I actually heard that you tried to pick up where Danny left off on his saved game when you first started playing. Did I? At I one point so. when you were starting, you were just like, "Yeah, I'm gonna jump into it." I was like, "Okay, where, where are you starting?" He was like, uh -huh. "Well, you know, where you left off last night." It was like, "No, now you, you can start your <laughs> no, own game." You're just, like, "Oh, okay." I was okay. being facetious. <laughs> oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. 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 No, it was a great game. Uh, I was able to piece everything together um, when that one big thing happens in the first, like, six minutes Oh, that's of the true. Game. Nick hasn't finished I, it yet. I knew immediately. It was like, I, I didn't play the first one, but I knew that was pretty monumental right there. <laughs> you um, want to know what else was crazy? No. <laughs> I'll walk away for a few minutes if I if I need to. Nah, you're good. We're not going to ruin anything. Um, I'm, I think... What's important to remember is that the game was extremely divisive because people give a shit about it. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. and I understand that. I mean, the one thing I don't, I didn't like about that whole situation was that how the fuck were people putting reviews on Metacritic the at like midnight of the game's launch when you couldn't have possibly be a 30 hour campaign? You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah, I get like, there's like review bombing and, you know, people want to get their message across. But like when you put things uh, in in those reviews that say things like this people has transgender SJW stuff in it. I don't want anything to do with it. It's like, OK, that's not a legitimate criticism of this game at all. And there are exactly. legitimate criticisms of The Last of Us Part Two. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But um, but that is not one. <laughs> and even but then, I, I mean, like, no, go I, ahead. I was just going to say. The game deserved every single award that it got. I agree. It 100% deserved every single one that it got. And anyone who's throwing up SJW stuff as a, it, like, diminishing from the game, that has nothing to do with the game. Yeah. It was it was a beautiful game. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And, like, even, even legitimate criticisms of the game itself, I don't think takes away from the way it made me feel, which, honestly... I think that's more important in story-driven games than actual storytelling, you know what I mean, so to speak. Whereas it, mm -hmm. like, the the emotions it evoked out of me. Sure, it was kind of annoying to, like, you know, do the whole two-character thing or, like, you know, have the constant flashbacks and everything. But also, I feel like, you know, TV shows do that all... The fucking Walking Dead has been on for, like, ten seasons now and does shit like that all the time. Like, had episodes that didn't even involve the main characters at some point, you know what I mean? So like I don't mm -hmm. I don't understand like why people had an issue with The Last of Us Two doing that, but that's far and away from the point. I'm happy that it's as decorated as it is. It's a big middle finger to all those people, and I enjoy giving big middle fingers to people who uh mm -hmm. who are stupid, you know. Mm hmm. But yeah, no, like like you were saying about the two character thing. It's just I've never had the two character game their gameplay made me feel hatred towards one of the main characters that Bruh. I was playing as that no game has ever made me feel before. It was, I've, I've never felt something like that in the game before. Mm -hmm. And this so, is the night. Yeah, my only critique is that one scene where you have to play, uh, 
Take Me On uh, by Uh-huh. That goes on for way too long. You play oh, the shit. entire oh, shit. song. You know what's funny about that is that some people actually found out how to play real songs on uh, on that virtual guitar, so to speak. Like, I know Mark Hoppus from Blink-182, as if nobody here knows who he is. Um, he he played, um, what's uh, what's my age again? Or damn it. I don't know. He played one of, he played some Blink-182 song. They're all the same chords. So, uh-huh. so uh, but, you know, it's cool that they put that much time and thought into that, though. You know what I mean? And I do agree with you, Joe, that it did take kind of a long time to get through that. Like, Nick, did you get through the take on me section? What? <laughs> uh, you're muted. <laughs> no, no, that was your headphones are, are messed up. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, I fault. Um, yeah. But even then, I think the that kind of illustrates the mechanics and the time it took to put that game together. And most importantly, you guys, at least I think so, judging by what we saw this fall, the game was finished when it came out. And that is what's <laughs> most important to me. It fucking works. You know, when you spend $60 on something, you really want it to work. That's a good point. I didn't even think, I actually didn't even think about that. Yeah, and can you believe Which that? Which is sad. That's something it's we have to think about didn't, now. Didn't come across my mind. Mm. Like, everybody's always, like, uh, I saw a great video about Cyberpunk, actually, now that we're on this, just recently, by uh, The Act Man. It's, like, 40 minutes long. It's it's kind of hard to get through. But um, he makes a lot of great points that even if you take all the visual glitches and, like, all the horrible performance away from the game, uh, it still wouldn't cut it, like, as an open-world game in 2020. You know what I mean? Where, like, GTA has better overall mechanics than Cyberpunk does. Like, you can do more things, so to speak. Yeah. The world is much more fleshed out in GTA. Like, this is, like, it's open world as in you can go anywhere, but that doesn't mean you, like, you can have unique interactions everywhere that you go. Right. It doesn't feel lived in, which I feel is, like, the most important part of open world games. But that's kind of uh, away from the point that we're getting at right now. But, yeah, congratulations to The Last of Us. Uh, Still not cool that they uh, crunched their employees and, you know, drove. I think they hospitalized one of them, I think, or maybe that was Cyberpunk. It was either one of the, it's one of those two games. Don't quote me on it. Uh, but, um, yeah, I'm glad they got, uh, they got what they did, but they need to work about their, yeah. they need to work on their employee management relations. Yeah. If you're getting seizures though, stay out of the development lab. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a good point. It's a good point. It's um, a cutthroat industry. Yeah. <laughs> so moving on, uh, justice league, the Zack Snyder cut got an official release date for March 18th, 2021 on HBO max. Now I think everybody kind of saw this coming because they moved Godzilla. Like they were like, Hey, we're going to move Godzilla a week. And everyone's like, okay, so Snyder cuts coming. Like, this is it. And you know, this is their hail Mary. This is a lot of, this is the only way you're going to be able to watch this cut of justice league. Now, I don't think anybody here saw the, saw the first cut, right? No, Nick, you didn't see the, no, I I, I, I didn't see it. The theatrical cut. (laughs) Like the one that came out in theaters? Yeah. Didn't we see it together? No, we saw Batman vs. Superman. Oh, okay. All right. I, I saw it, but in terrible conditions, like on a, on a tiny little laptop while working. So I did see it, but yeah, not, not under the best circumstances. Um. All right. Well, 
I think everybody thinks the same thing, that it's a pile of steaming dog shit. Uh, unfortunately, it was made under really shitty circumstances where Zack Snyder had to step away from directing because uh, his daughter committed suicide, I believe, was the issue. And obviously, that's fucking horrible. And, like, mm-hmm. I respect anyone's decision to drop all their work and go be with their family when they have to deal with something like that. But... Joss Whedon came in and was like, fuck all this and reshot the whole movie in like six weeks of reshoots. And like they put it out. And the only reason they put it out was because if they didn't put that out, the executives didn't get their bonus for that year. Mm. Is that true? Yep. Is that the real reason? That is exactly the real reason. They have to put out a certain amount of films per year. So they're so they get their uh, their bonus. And they, and they could, were like they were riding like they were like exactly the amount they weren't. You they know, were safe. they were riding on Justice League. And mm-hmm. listen, Justice League was not only a critical flop, it was a financial flop, which in a world where there is literally superhero movies every like three weeks and you have literally the best canon available for superheroes. Like you did Batman and Superman. How is it a financial failure? You know what I mean? Like you had to fuck up really bad to get oh, that does to that happen. Have to do with the, the amount that they spent on reshoots and everything. I think all like overall, it came out to like three hundred and fifty million dollars, which is the same price tag as Avengers Endgame. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's not. I don't think they were doing this economically. They were just throwing money at it at some point and hoping that you know something would stick or something would come together. Ultimately, though. The whole reason this came to be was because there was a movement of people saying, release the Snyder Cut, release the Snyder Cut. Zack Snyder himself wouldn't clarify anything, but there was a video that came out of him, like, signing stuff at a convention. Because remember, you guys, when we used to have, like, public events that, like, people could go to and, like, you know, have a good time. And uh, he was at a table. He was at a table signing stuff, and some kid just straight up asked him, like, hey, is there a Snyder? Like, is do you have a cut of this movie? And he finally just broke. He was like, yeah, I have a cut. He goes, the VFX need to be finished, but other than that, it's ready to go. And uh, the cut came out, and I think the original cut was something like three hours, you know? Either way, um, HBO Max comes out. We covered that when it first came out. It wasn't on Roku. It wasn't on Amazon. It barely had any content. No one, know, no one knew what the fuck was on it. Um... <laughs> I think Joe, Joe, uh, weren't you the one who, uh, who was, who asked, who brought that forward? And then when we were talking about it on air, you're like, well, I don't even have Roku, so this doesn't affect me at all. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Fire stick all the way. So, um, bringing that forward though, um, this was their, this was their Hail Mary. Like, this was their linchpin, so to speak, wherein that, uh, AT&T saw this movement through social media, through all their analytics and whatnot, and they basically came to Zack Snyder and were like, here's $70 million, finish this, and we'll put this on HBO Max, and you'll you'll get a proper release. And that's what he did. So he reshot a bunch of stuff. He's They finished the VFX, um, and now the movie is four hours long, and they are releasing it in one single cut which is the stupidest thing i think they could do here's my here's my question do you think when you say hail mary do you think this is them trying to recoup losses or just save face because i don't think this is ever going to even come close to like saving the franchise or saving you know saving losses i think i think by hail mary what i mean is that 
this is this is what HBO Max to a lot of people is meant for. For the Zack Snyder to exist. To oh, are for sure. Going, you think so? I, that I, many people oh, are yeah. worth it? Dude, enough people like there's uh HBO Max suppressed seventeen uh surpassed seventeen point two million subscribers by the end of twenty twenty, which was well ahead of what they thought was gonna happen. And yeah. I think a lot of that has to do with obviously Wonder Woman, which by the way is the number one most streamed property ever at like two point one billion views. It beat out Soul. Uh yeah. and that doesn't include the people that you see on Twitter that say, I'm not getting HBO Max, but I will get it for the Snyder cut. Like there's millions of people that are going to sign up specifically for the Snyder cut. I don't know. I don't know. I like to me, like not just to be contrarian. I feel like people jumped on for Wonder Woman because Wonder Woman has already like this built-in good press from the first movie. People love that movie. Whereas like, you know, Batman versus Superman, uh, whatever the Superman movies were before that, I don't even remember what they were called, Man of Steel and Justice League all have this terrible track record. You really think that, that it's going to bring that many viewers? I, I'm skeptical. Yeah, when was a shitty movie redeemed by... Uh... A director's cut. Blade Runner. <laughs> the, was it which which director? Okay, there's seven One, cuts of Blade. There's seven cuts 15. of Blade Runner. There's seven cuts of Blade Runner. Ridley Scott says. The his actual director's cut is his, is the best one, which I haven't watched all seven of them. I've only watched but, that one. Which is the one I did the best. <laughs> Fair but, enough. But so, Zack Snyder's cut is four hours long. Yeah. Yes. Four hours. That's longer than a Lord of the Rings movie. Yeah. Well, I think it depends. I think if you're watching the extended editions, then no. But uh, I will say this. I think the extended. Eh, never mind. I I will say this. I did not watch the Hateful Eight when it came out because it was two hours and forty eight minutes, and I specifically remember saying, "I love Quentin Tarantino, but I'm not doing all that dialogue for two hours and forty eight minutes." When Netflix bought, um the hateful eight and they allowed Tarantino to put all that footage in that he had to cut out for the theatrical release came out to like four and a half, five hours long, but they chopped Mm -hmm. it up into four episodes and they displayed it like a mini series. And I ate that shit up and it was awesome. And I got to do it over, you know, a certain amount of, you know, days as opposed to here's a four hour movie, you know, and like, I'm not the type of person that likes to watch movies in parts. I know that there's those psychos out there that like, you know, they'll watch half a movie one one yep. day and then they'll watch uh, the other half of the movie somewhere else. Excuse me. But I am, uh, I, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go all four hours. Let's see what happens. Dog releases it too. Let's do our four hour episode as well. Yeah, true. You know, <laughs> we'll commentate every minute as it happens. Yeah. We'll watch do, along. We'll do director's cut companion watch. Actually, yeah. Do you guys want to do like a live commentary track so everybody can sync up with us while we're watching it? I'm gonna watch it first. <laughs> and then and then I'll be like, do I want to put another eight hours? Yeah. So yeah four hours. You want to watch eight hours worth of the Snyder cut. I mean, I and actually, the uh, the other thing we haven't talked about here is quality. You know what I mean? Zack Snyder, I'm going to get a lot of shit when I say this. Zack Snyder doesn't make the best movies. I think Dawn of the Dead is sick, and I think 300 is sick. Everything else after that is super hit or miss. I think Watchmen is good in parts, but there's a lot of not good in Watchmen as well. Yeah. That being said, 
Zack Snyder's visual style. Garbage day. <laughs> Garbage day. <laughs> Zack, Zack Snyder's... <laughs> You just hear the dumpster. Oh, oh, That's not good. They were aggressive out yelling. there, too. Yeah, they throw they the trash cans around, too. Bitch. Let's give it up for our local uh, sanitation department, everyone. Let's give it up. Let's give it up for our favorite mouse that's over here, too. <laughs> Main tribute to the Prince of Pop. It's true. Uh-huh. There's no red leather jacket. But... Hey, Razor, do me a favor. Make a fucking mouse that I don't get uh, allergic reactions to. Thanks. You so, just gotta get the lambskin mouse. I saw like a wood. I can get like a wood mouse too. That is so fucked up. <laughs> I just realized that was good. That was good. Liz, get the lambskin. Anyway, um. So, so anyway, moving on. Quality. I'm, I'm Zack Snyder. A mouse now. <laughs> that grows wool. Zack Snyder doesn't make good movies. But they look nice. That's my Thanks. fucking point. So, do you agree? I think we all agree with that. Do you think that, like, Zack Snyder should just be, like, creative consultant? He should, Maybe he should stop directing movies and just, like, here's a cool vision. Here's yeah. my idea. We should take these directors that haven't had, like, a good hit in a while and put on, like, a Hallmark or ABC Family original movie. <laughs> oh, that would, be cool. that would be fucking sick, bro. Like They'd... a Home for the Holidays premise by Zack Snyder. It's just everything slow all motion violence and Santa's yeah. got to kill see, all like, his kids reindeer. Opening presents and it's just all slow mo. Um, actually, before we move on, I do want to mention though there is another Zack Snyder movie coming this year that nobody talks about because they had to reshoot all of the scenes with Chris D'Elia in it with Tig Notaro. <laughs> really? It's called Army of the Dead and it's coming straight oh, to yeah. Netflix. Oh yeah, I forgot. And uh-huh. when somebody asked him about like what studio interference he had his response was kind of a jab at warner brothers when he said oh yeah there was none of that you know studio bureaucracy bullshit that goes on in other places i've worked and he has only exclusively made movies for warner brothers Mm -hmm. so you know uh tensions may be high confirm that like he's gone for good like they're keeping him out of the spotlight crystalia yeah I I think he should be. No, dude. There was that. So, do you guys see that new thing on Netflix? Like the it's like the history of swearing with Nicolas Cage. I know what you're talking about. Oh, I haven't so, watched it, but I do know what you're talking so about. So, I think Chris D'Elia is uh, like a producer or something. I was just watching the the last episode of it, and his name popped up. I'm like, what are you? Who let you out of your cage? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it'll be a long time before. Uh, why are we even talking about this? All right. Uh, yeah. We'll let, move on. Let a watch. <laughs> I never get tired of that graphic. (laughs) I hope everyone liked our new graphic that we've had. Uh, Joe and Nick made that for uh, this reoccurring segment that we have. So um, Jared Leto was in the news recently again because for whatever reason he can't fucking stay out of the news. But um, Jared Leto was quoted saying he felt like Rip Van Winkle after he found out about COVID. Which I believe, Nick, you said something very uh, enlightening before about that reference. What was it again? That the jet, like Generation Z and millennials. Oh are... yeah, yeah. Just like how out of touch is Jared Leto that he's making a Rip Van Winkle reference and thinking it's... that anybody under the age of thirty is going to understand that? And that's being generous, thirty. 
It's not as bad as when R. Kelly called himself the Pied Piper of music, though. <laughs> <laughs> he just didn't know oh, what true. the Pied Piper, you know, oh really God. did, I think. He said that? Again, yeah. no one oh, can no. top R. Kelly. Mm -hmm. Maybe you shouldn't put that on a recorded <laughs> internet forum. Uh, but so here's the thing is that he wanted to go on this meditation. The quote says that this idea is that you go away, you get rid of your phone, uh, you get rid of distractions, you get rid of everything, and you just meditate. That's all fine and well. He goes, and he went into meditation when there was only about 150 cases, right? And then a short time later, he came out and found out about the shutdowns and found out that the world changed. Now, listen, I don't, what is he? He's in his 40s now, right? Why the fuck? He's ageless. <laughs> Why the fuck is the first thing you think about is, I'm the fucking Rip Van Winkle of COVID, bro. <laughs> like, why? Like, he definitely looked at his assistant or his publicist, and they were just like, I don't know what the fuck that means. <laughs> Who even knows? You know, like, so obviously we had to look up what that meant because I didn't know what that meant. And for people who don't know who Rip Van Winkle is, it's a, a short story by American author Washington Irvington, published in 1819. Follows a, duck, a Dutch American villager. By the way, you can read this on Wikipedia because that's where I'm reading it from. Uh, pretty much, he drinks this guy's liquor. He falls asleep in the Catskill Mountains and he wakes up 20 years later to a very changed world and having missed the American Revolution. Let's focus on that last part right there. <laughs> Missing the American Revolution. <laughs> N like... At the time, it was not that disastrous. You know what I mean? So I think he was probably Jared Leto was thinking more about the Capitol riot. He was like, I missed the revolution. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was actually a threat. That's talking about his own cult. <laughs> Our day of reckoning hasn't come yet. <laughs> well, actually, Joe, it's funny that you bring that up because now that I think about it, I think there was an attempted insurrection before the uh, before the, the QAnon one. I think it was just 30 seconds to Mars fans, actually, though, <laughs> who went after the Capitol. Which I'm looking at pictures of Jared Leto, and he's looking a bit like Rip Van Winkle these days. That's a good point. Well, actually, in, in his new movie, he looks exactly like Rip Van Winkle. That's Winkel. exactly what we were going to bring Especially up. Especially with the liquor. So uh, Danny and I watched uh the little things which stars denzel washington rami malik and uh our boy jared leto and he does look like rip van winkle in that movie and he looks like rip van winkle had a whole fucking gallon of bush before he went to sleep <laughs> for 20 years All, i think in order to prepare for this role jared leto just drank bush light that's all it was. Wake up in the morning, crack open a bush light. His beer belly is on point. You know, it's, it's amazing. I will say, though, he definitely dives into his roles because that character had a distinct walk, too, that I noticed. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, I, I, the, I mean, let's. Let's just be upfront about it. The movie sucks. Uh, I didn't think it was good. Mm -hmm. uh, in any, I think the act, the performances were good. I thought the casting was good. But for whatever reason, Rami Malek, I shit you not, is still talking like Freddie Mercury. And that's <laughs> like, Danny, right? He looked like he still had the fucking teeth in. Uh, and the best. His, his upper his upper lip looks like it's fighting his lower lip for total control of his mouth. And the best was Liz looks over at me and she goes, why does he talk like that? And I go, I go, Liz, that's, that's his Freddie Mercury voice. So I don't know what's going on right now. You know, like he, he did a lot of the teeth thing, you know, like this, yeah. like still calling everyone darling. 
Yeah, still calling yeah. everyone, <laughs> darling. He also just. He also just doesn't know how to stand comfortably. Yes. Every time he's standing, like, he's just very uptight and just kind of, like, he doesn't know what to do with his hands when he's talking. Also, like, no character in that movie is likable at all. I fucking hated every Mm -hmm. single one of them. They're the worst, like, these people couldn't hold conversations, and it wasn't for dramatic effect. It was because whoever wrote the movie had no idea how two humans communicate. Like, I am convinced that whoever wrote this movie is an alien trying to show, like, a case study on how humans don't interact. Like, it was Jared Leto. He wrote it. <laughs> it was Darman. He wrote it. And <laughs> let's just... It was Darman. We Remember, not murder Darman people, Darman fans. We're not just telling stories. We're changing lives. But, <laughs> um, actually... You know what's funny? I, because, you know, HBO Max ads are all over my fucking phone now, uh, I saw that it was like Denzel Washington's return to acting. He was in a movie last year. So, like, what are they talking about? He hasn't been gone long. Like, Jared Leto's been gone longer than Denzel Washington from acting. (laughs) Yeah, Jared Leto thought he was Rip Van Winkle. (laughs) (laughs) He was also referring to his acting career. That's true. Van Winkle, I just came back. I think, (laughs) actually, you know what? It's funny that we we say that, though, is because Jared Leto actually had a... um, What was that movie he did that he was awesome in? He won the Oscar for... uh, Dallas Buyers Club. Dallas Buyers Club, that one. Uh, He actually didn't act for five years before he took on that role. Like, uh, I think, obviously, he was in something before that, but I can't... Is it, like, Requiem for a Dream? I can't remember. (laughs) With the glove. glove. Fucking, fucking Jared Leto's doing this to me. (laughs) Brain blast. Brain brain blast. (laughs) But I I will say, I actually actually did really like Jared Leto in the movie. He was good. Actually, for a serial... He was actually really good. His interrogation scene was actually pretty funny. But was as kind of sick as oh, that is. Yeah, that is pretty fucked up. Now that we talk about, actually, you know what? Fuck it. We're just gonna spoil it. You guys have no intention of watching this, right, Joe? Right, Nick? Maybe eventually, but I don't care. Okay, so uh, the there is a scene in the movie, and this is how the movie thinks it's more clever than it actually is. There was one scene where Denzel Washington's character, who, by the way, isn't actually a registered police officer in the jurisdiction that they're working in, by the way. He just takes some vacation days and helps them solve a crime. The whole time, I'm wondering, why are they letting this guy help? They're exactly. just letting this county patrol guy help. Like, out of nowhere, they're just like, we need him who has been out of the game for 15 years. <laughs> and, then, and here's the best part. His interrogation, his interrogation technique is to show Jared Leto pictures of the murders he committed, gets real close, and he just goes, tell me why is that? And I'm like, why is what? He goes, tell me why is that? And he fucking slaps his lap, and he goes, yeah, your dick's as hard as a rock right now. Like, they that was their interrogation technique, to show him <laughs> pictures of the murders he committed and see if his dick got hard or not. <laughs> 
Like, and then when, and then when Denzel Washington smacks his crotch, he's like, yeah, your dick's hard as a rock right now. Yes. yes, This is not a metaphor. It's a real moment. And like, and like, then Denzel Washington like goes into like one of his Denzel uh, rages and they're like, all right, get him out of here. And nothing happens to Denzel Washington after that. Like, what are you talking about? That's a... That's sexual assault. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, There's a real tactic gun. on the first 48. If you guys have seen enough episodes, you get to find within the first 48 an erect penis. There's your guilty guy. I forget. Their smoking gun was his erect penis. I forget yeah. who. Excuse me. I forget who I was talking to about the first 48, but that show is nothing but bad news. It just gets me down. <laughs> the entire <laughs> you can't binge that on a Saturday. They That's not going to help. You know, they give the ending right in the, away in the beginning of the episode. Basically, you know somebody died. Yeah, and not only that, you know somebody's going to cry because like they can't get to the end of the first forty-eight and be like, "Well, we didn't find anything," you know. So, on to the next one. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's true. <sighs> if they never find any kind of suspect, they don't hear that. Episode. Speaking of suspects and criminals, guys, our main story this week is around <laughs> the biggest goddamn criminals that are about 45 minutes from here. And they're getting that away. Wasn't, that wasn't garbage. We call them out. Easy. We call them out and they're getting away right now. <laughs> but uh yeah, so uh we're talking about game stonks this week, everyone. God damn it. Game Oh, I'm sorry. You know what? You're absolutely right. This is the rhythm of the night. Game stonks. We're all holding the line. So just for complete transparency's sake, we are all <laughs> vested and we are all holding the line. Never sell. Never ever sell. Uh so, I like the stock. I like the stock. So Obviously, this is the week that we all became day traders, uh, so to speak. We became stockbrokers overnight. Uh, we know everything about the stock market. And uh, if you don't know these things, shame on you. Get in the game, cuz. So that being said, uh, <laughs> yeah, where you been? Uh, Danny, you've been on top of this since it started, like since before the spike or the, the initial spike. So I'm going to hand it off to you. Walk us through the first couple days before, um, you know, pretty much me, Joe, and Nick were like, oh, this is the next gold rush. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I really have to give uh, the credit to turning me on to this, our landlord, who <laughs> was in our apartment fixing our heat, when as he was fixing the heat, he was like, have you guys heard about GameStop? And it was absolutely crazy. I was on Wall Street Bets, like, as most of this stuff was going on, and it was just, the memes were the best part, that's for sure, but it was just crazy how the guy, Deep Fucking Value, just, that's his username, Deep Fucking Value, predicted this and just got everything going from the beginning, where he picked out that this company, which I'm already blanking on what the company was that shorted at 140%. Who cares, bro? They're going out of business. (laughs) It doesn't matter. They're not in business anymore. But he just managed to see that they shorted GameStop 140% and just convinced everyone, flood it and just start buying it and just start racking up the price. Now, And then everyone is just holding the line. Just before, just for some context so everybody knows, Wall Street Bets was wildly popular before this, but that community grew from like 1.2 million to like 5 million people 
in under 48 hours. And that's why they had to private it because they weren't sure that people were there for the best of intentions. That being said, I do have somebody in my life who is on that subreddit like before this happened and they did have biggest losers and winners of the week. And there have been smaller movements um, within this community to try mm-hmm. and manipulate the stock market. However, I kind of feel like that because um, COVID has happened, I kind of feel like everyone's sick and tired of rich people just getting richer and middle class and poor people just getting poorer. That, uh, oh, Nick, that's a perfect representation of what's going on. <laughs> that, um, that everyone was in on the movement. You know what I mean? Everyone was just like, you know what? Fuck those guys. And uh, just decided to uh, invest and hold the line. This is just another version of Occupy Wall Street. I think it's it a better just, version of Occupy it, well, Wall Street. It, yeah, it agreed. It was a much better version. Where Occupy Wall Street, it was a movement. It got attention and everything. But this is actually putting one of those hedge funds out of business this is actual real world stuff people lost (laughs) their jobs and you know what i say about that i I, I really don't like that guy (laughs) (laughs) and so following that we saw the stock price shoot up over the weekend to like 100 to like over 200 like last weekend and then it dropped down to 140 by like monday and then they just kept driving the price up. They just kept buying and buying and buying. I don't know where it's at right now, but tomorrow morning. 312. Tomorrow, 312? Tomorrow morning will be the bloodbath. Uh, I've heard people describe it as the Bunker Hill of this battle where there will be major bloodshed on both sides. There will be winners and losers for both. Can and, you explain why? Uh, well, there's a couple reasons here. The first, the hypothesis is if you hold the line, right, eventually the hedge the hedge fund company or the hedge fund the hedge fund itself is going to have mm. to short more stock thus driving the value farther the secondary thing is i mean obviously that's going to put more hedge funds out of bit that's going to put the hedge for deeper in the hole the second avenue here is that the hedge funds just decide you know what it's not fucking worth the loss uh, or it's not worth our time Therefore, they dump it. They liquidate it all entirely. And that's going to drive the price down. And everyone who's currently vested in it is going to lose ass loads of money. Well, I, th- I feel like we, they've shown it so far. They're all in it for the long haul. I mean, the, the hedge fund? No, no, the, the Redditors. It's like, oh, yeah. They might oh, lose yeah. their money. Sure. But it's uh, like, you mean us? We, yeah. <laughs> hey, we got to wait for AMC to actually, you know, come in. But yeah, um, this is the time to send a message. So, yeah. So I, in it. you got to stay in it. And I, I mean, the thing is, like, if you hold long enough, like, if people still just continue to hold on, the price is just going to go up. And so it's just a matter of just holding out to see at what point, at what what is the tipping point where people at are just like, all right, at this point, I'm just going to take my winnings and I'm just going to drop out. Hey, like man. when are they like at what price is it just going to be where the people are just going to be like, all right, I'm done with this now. I think we made a point. I'm pulling out and I'm taking my money. Yeah. Unfortunately, Danny, to piggyback off of that, I don't think there's going to be any long term effects of like you had Wall Street guys going on CNBC and fucking crying like a bunch of little <laughs> bitches, like as if they don't have golden parachutes, if they lost all their money in the stock market. And they said that. Ah, who's that one asshole who was on there? And he was just like, 
This is just people sitting at home with their COVID checks trying to uh, make wealthy people feel bad. And, like, he was crying because he said he cared. It's like, dude, you don't care about people. You manipulate the stock market all the time to get, you know, to to pretty much make your dead ends uh, or loose ends meet, so to speak. You know what I mean? Like, these guys are full of shit. And uh, they're goddamn criminals. Everyone says it all the time. So why uh why would that change now just because of this one particular situation you know you got stock you got stockbrokers calling for regulations when the fuck has that ever happened in our history all the, if you start putting regulations like that like no longer having to make shorts public then all of a sudden we're not looking at the free market that we've had anymore it's suddenly just not a free market well the I, fact that they they have to just make this stuff public I think that's part of the issue, though, is that it never really was a free market, and this proves that. However, the offset here is that now I'm not sure if this is completely propaganda, is that if you have a bunch of people investing in dead company stocks to fuck over hedge funds and create these bubbles, you're going to have a problem going forward because you're just going to crash the market over and over and over. You know what I mean? Like how many hedge funds are going to dump uh, dump their stocks because in in like vested profitable companies because they're afraid of this happening. And the well, thing is, even I though- mean, at the same time, like you can say that, but it, like maybe if these companies weren't like overshorting the the you know these investor you know like making these investments overshorting things, we wouldn't be in this problem. It's okay to like sh- short a stock if it's overvalued and you're like trying to balance things out. You can short it. You know, like that's that's a natural part of investing but what the way they were doing it they were just trying to kill a company to make a profit off of it right they were trying to short them into bankruptcy right and mm-hmm. and you want to know what to be fair though you know husking around the corpse of gamestop for all these years is i mean what the the reason why i feel like people attach to it so much is because you know when you think about it gamestop was kind of like our thing growing up you know what i mean you didn't buy video games anywhere else you went to gamestop i wanted gamestop gift cards i wanted you know uh gift certificate gift certificates to gamestops gamestop was the first place that i was able to like reserve copies of games so i didn't miss like them when they saw when they inevitably sold out because physical copies there was only so many you can get um and unfortunately just because of the way technology is advanced and GameStop's inability to innovate and shift its um its stance in the market has caused it to downfall. But I feel like that's why people latched onto it because like they don't want to see this go, you know. And mm-hmm. I mean, it sucks because GameStops are closing left and right. And I mean, Danny, even we went to GameStop to go get Red Dead Two. Remember? Uh, and it was it was dead there. It was dead. There was, was nobody no there. No one was going. Like it was us and two other people. And they could weren't even this, could this prompt GameStop to take all this, you know, new capital that they have and reinvest, like reconfigure their company into maybe being like, you know, a, a digital purchasing platform rather than a retail. Yeah, we talked about front. this, but the competition has already been made. You know, we talked about Game Pass last week and true everything else that PlayStation has on their stores like. I don't know how you can create something that's going to compete. I agree. Unless you revamp Gamefly. I don't know. Why not? <laughs> I, I, they tried. They are trying to revamp Gamefly, actually. But I agree with you, Joe. But the only other, uh, only thing I have to say uh, backward, uh, I mean, against that would be that, oh, excuse me, excuse me, 
Okay, so I'm, I'm not going to sneeze. <laughs> um, uh, the only thing I would say in contrast to that would be that uh, GameStop itself was told by, I forget who the company CEO was. Basically, he said it came out in the press that he placed a call and said, your stocks are not your company right now. Do not make any right. major money moves because that will end things faster, unfortunately. So the other interesting tidbit is the current CEO of GameStop was also the CEO of MoviePass and the CEO of Redbox. Like uh, of Redbox, too. He's a, he's a brilliant and man. Let me tell you yeah. something. I don't think there's a more tone deaf CEO out there. Like he definitely can't read a fucking mm -hmm. room. So regardless <laughs> of that phone call that he received, I bet you he hung that shit up and he looked at his like assistant was just like, we're rich. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. But I, I also just think it's funny that like Pat, going back to what you were saying about, you know, everyone went to GameStop and all that, but also think about all the jokes that people made about, going to hand in yeah. like their own consoles, their old games and only getting like 25 cents of store credit out of 25 it. And every return. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I just find it funny that now all those people that got screwed by GameStop in a lot of other ways are now just keeping it afloat by just flooding it with new capital, which mm -hmm is interesting like i see these memes of like the 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 master shredder memes where it's like the redditors are are or it's like master shredder is like walking like donatello and it says like gamestop redditor and then it switches to where donatello's all grown up and he's walking with master shredder you know what i mean but then i saw somebody like a tweet underneath that was just like yo these motherfuckers gave me two dollars for a ps2 what are you talking about and <laughs> i found out year, i found out years later though the only way GameStop meets those profit margins is because they built their business off of used games. They don't make any, like a big share of the profits when you sell a brand new game. Like eighty mm percent -hmm. of that goes back to the developer, you know. Right. And you got to split that twenty percent with your distributors, or you know, whatever your supply chain is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they, they kind of had an uphill battle to to from the get go, you know. And it's not like they weren't like Best Buy or Target that just buys you know um giant allotments of consoles or games and then just sells them at those retail prices because they know they can't sell them any higher you know what i mean so you know they always had that uphill battle and i think people got sick and tired of that and i think that uh like i said before their failure to innovate and change what they were um led them to this point but i don't think anybody saw this coming <laughs> nobody no at no all. i mean like you said before, like they're it's only a matter of time before they go out of business, as sad as it is to say, but they're about to go out in a blaze of glory. Oh fuck. Like, yeah. Oh my god. No <laughs> one's gonna forget about GameStop. Fuck. I'm gonna be looking at my at my son one day and be like, Son, have you ever heard of GameStop? I've only heard I've only heard of their end and that's all you need to know, buddy. Like <laughs> everyone's gonna know about how GameStop went out and how they fucked over a bunch of hedge funds on the way, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, what's his name in uh, The Sundance Kid or whatever? Like, died in, like, a blaze of gunfire in Bolivia or something? That's what GameStop <laughs> is doing. <laughs> um, 
So another thing uh, that we wanted to talk about was the power dynamic that this kind of sheds a light on between retail traders and reg and uh, regular Wall Street brokers, I guess, who have like access to day trading all the time. You know that they can trade over the weekend, right? And like we can't. They could also oh, yeah. they could also Sounds trade right. they could also trade off hours, and we can't either. Mm -hmm. And that already pisses people off, but then we get to Robinhood and Robinhood did something on Thursday, which is absolutely despicable. And actually, um, is disgusting. Quite honestly, if you ask me, it's worse than the bloody guitar at guitar center I found today. Uh, <laughs> but, um, so Nick, why don't you tell us what Robinhood did? They fucked us. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, they, uh, they blocked anything that was potentially volatile. Um, so basically they're just saying you, you don't play oh, by shit. the same oh, rules shit. as these uh, elites. So, um, I, as far as I know, they, they stopped, they took down that restriction for buying full stocks, but there was no like micro transactions or like half shares, quarter shares or anything like that. Um, but they really were, you know, beholden to these, you know, day traders and the uh, hedge fund managers. I, I did hear, uh, maybe you guys could expand on this, that um, the Robinhood uh, people are connected to the hedge fund that, you know, was connected to all of this. The same, the same yeah. investor that owns a percentage of Robinhood also owns AMC. Gotcha. Yeah. That's yeah, and it so it was. It was definitely an influence there, where they they were like, "Look, you have to you have to stop this," because so many of the redditors who were buying the GameStop, buying AMC, Nokia, all those were Robinhood users, and like especially, which it's just sad because I'm also a Robinhood user, and on Thursday you were, I wasn't able to buy. You any were of these. a Robinhood That's right, user. <laughs> were were they lost a customer which i'm glad though joe sent me a quick article though about like if i wanted to move i would have to wait like 15 days before mm -hmm. my account can transfer over but i will be starting a different account with a different company that doesn't restrict my rights god damn it which one which one are you using probably td ameritrade okay i just Although opened up td ameritrade had issues as well but that was more system issues as opposed to just limiting people from and preventing people from buying. So to add to the Robin hood fiasco, their CEO went on a bunch of financial shows and of course, you know, they're not going to get too hot under the collar. They want to understand his thinking, but then he made the mistake of going on CNN's Chris Cuomo show. And I don't know if you guys have seen that at all. If I wasn't so sure that we would get fucking copyright, copyright claim, Cuomo sexual, baby. Uh, if I wasn't so sure that we would get copyright claimed, I would fucking pull up the video right now. It is glorious. He gets on there, the CEO, and the first thing he says is that he's a fan of Chris Cuomo. So it's kind of surreal that he's on there. You can tell by the look at Chris Cuomo's face that he is definitely like... You know, God forgive me for what I'm about to do to this human being. <laughs> <laughs> he proceeds to eviscerate, push past every, like, like script point that he tried to make. And he even told him, he's like, yeah, I watched the shows that you went on. Like, I know you're reading from a script. He's like, so tell me how what you did wasn't market manipulation. And he said, we have rules we have to follow. We have this. He's like, yeah, but whose rules? He's like, 
like the people that you're beholden to on Wall Street or your retail mm-hmm. day traders? And he couldn't answer that question. And then the funny part was, is like, well, you know, uh, it was highly volatile. So we had to make sure people weren't trading. He goes, but they were trading because you only allowed them to sell. So I don't understand. Like if you saying that, that it was too volatile to trade, yet you only influenced people on your platform to sell, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Like, and he even told him straight up, he was like, this isn't a financial show. It doesn't have to be. I just want to know what the fuck you were thinking and Chris Cuomo went so far as to be like, let me give you a little bit of advice, like some free advice right to his face and like just <laughs> totally crush this guy. You know, he was having a good PR day and then he got on Chris Cuomo's show and was just fucking destroyed like in seconds. It's yeah. wonderful. As it should be. Good. Good. <laughs> good. That's and all I have to say. For whatever. Macaulay Culkin looking like. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he looked like Kylo Ren. <laughs> <laughs> like without yeah, yeah actually a little bit kind of yeah except all evil characters yeah he looks like all the disney villains actually just in one just you know a and little i'm bit sh- like the guy the bad guy from ratatouille <laughs> and i couldn't <laughs> see his lower half but i'm sure the bottom half of him is some sort of s- serpent that fucking snake that <laughs> oh, piece yeah. of mm-hmm. shit mm-hmm like, and then the balls to go on national television and try to lie about what you did. Bro, there are, there's already class action lawsuits against what they did, right? And, like, there yeah. people are going to follow it up to the... And it really is market manipulation. And listen, I'm saying that, like, I have called out instances of that before, and I know what that definition is. But mm-hmm. if that's not what that is, can somebody tell me what, it, what market manipulation is? And if... Uh, and if somebody comes back and says, you know, X, Y, and Z, why the fuck hasn't the people on Wall Street who do that gotten fucking arrested yet? You know what I mean? It's all yeah. bullshit, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what this movement is doing. It's bringing all of that to light. So mm-hmm. exactly, fuck billionaires. <laughs> yeah. That's that's so what get, we re- get ready for the sequel of the bailout. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Where they're gonna bail out all the banks and tell us to go fuck ourselves again. But yeah. How is this a comedy? This will make a great movie in a couple of years, though. Yeah. <laughs> How is this a comedy yeah. show? <laughs> yeah, we talk about nerd culture and day trading. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Those that's two things. Well, that's well, that was my joke. Is like you know, like yeah, everybody became day traders this week, you know. And mm-hmm. there's, I don't know how many people are on the Wall Street sub, the Wall Street bet subreddit right now. I'll, I'll give it a quick look, but it's now. it would seem it would seem to be that that um that subreddit keeps growing and if it you know are all these people trading or are they just getting in on the action you know seeing what all the oh they're up to 7.6 million so that's 2.6 more than what i saw on friday yeah wow some people could just be there for the memes yeah i mean that's the true memes are great that's however true. i i really do think this brought awareness to people who have never traded before like yeah. my girlfriend she really doesn't know much about trading she now knows a lot more just from following the story. It really just shined a light on what the stock market actually is that a lot of people just didn't understand before. And how much pussies rich people can be. Am I right? Am I right? Right, baby. That you guy showed fucking them, man. cried on national television. It's like, yeah. bro, you're worth like that guy was worth like two and a half billion dollars or some shit like that. But now he's only what? worth two billion. 
Pat. Okay, <laughs> that, that's a lot. That's half Pat, a billion. He had everything to lose. Us on Wall Street bets, we've got nothing to lose. <laughs> that's, that's, that's great. Point. That is a he good had point. To go from a G five airplane to a G three. <laughs> okay, uh, I actually. What are the people at his country club gonna say? One of my all time favorite re- threads of this whole thing is when that guy went on there crying, saying they're just coming after rich people. People were like. Does he not have bootstraps? And if he does, why doesn't he pull himself up by them? They were like, maybe he shouldn't buy coffee every single day and should just make it at home from scratch. Like, uh, why not become an Uber Eats driver as well as a side gig? Yeah, why doesn't he just get a second job? You know, that's pretty easy to do on top of a full time job and having a family. God, he's so fucking tone deaf. I swear to God, these fucking. Pissing me off now. (laughs) But in addition to all this, though, it's interesting that GameStop's, I'm not GameStop, AMC's uh, stock is rising because they actually took on eh, $917 million in fresh investment capital in an effort to stay afloat through 2021. So if that plan doesn't work, this is certainly going to help them out (laughs) through the next year, you know, being that they're the biggest theater chain and if it goes under, uh, you know, movie theaters pretty much cease to exist for a lot of people, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't know if I've ever told you guys this, but I have a plan for how AMC should pivot if people don't want to see movies anymore after COVID. Hit it. Hit it. Hit us with I it. Wanna see, I want to see them turn into, like, VR game arenas where they, like, map the VR, you know, environment to a physical environment. So, like, let's say they put you in, like, you know, a, you know, a, a war video game and they set up like the beaches of Normandy in, you know, the arena and then you put on the headset and you're there and you can climb over barricades and stuff. That's what I want to see. Like no theaters turn into these big spaces. Like what else are you going to do with them? That, that's a great idea, but imagine how thick that release form would look. Oh, <laughs> hey, I mean, you, you go bungee, ju- you bungee jumping, you can jump out of a plane, you sign release forms. Good point. And Good they point. use live ammunition. <laughs> yeah, they could put like like fans and stuff, and you know, like environment blow mist on you. Be a whole VR experience rather than doing it in like your you know your room. I've heard worse ideas, right? I've heard worse. Get ideas. me on Shark I, Tank. <laughs> I just love the idea that now I don't know if they're still doing this, but I do just love the idea that they um, let people rent movie theaters as well. I just think that's really cool, but I don't know if they are still doing that. I think the only thing they can do to save AMC is, you know, uh, in King Kong, where they actually have this whole performance of people <laughs> going out so they can see a giant gorilla. That's the only thing that's going to get people to actually come out of their homes. The ape they're, they're just going to get a world. Wall Street guy crying and you pay yeah. money to go see it. Like, There's a 200-foot uh, tall gorilla down at the AMC if you want to go check it out. Hey, I'll tell you what. Uh, speaking of 200 foot tall gorillas, uh, if I'm vaccinated by that point, I'll go see Godzilla and IMAX. Why not? Yeah. It'll just be the whole theater will be mine. But uh, suit of armor. Let's move on. All right, gents, we're here. Uh, all your, of course, of course, OBS likes to play with everybody's feeds. So, Danny, you're right over Nick. Joe, you're the size of a dime, a dime bag, <laughs> that is. But you look good. Everybody can see the uh, the, the clip of the week, though, right? Yeah. All yeah. right. I haven't seen this yet, and Joe sent it over to me 10 minutes before the show. So oh, I love this layout. 
<laughs> it's great now. <laughs> What's up? Are, is everything good or Very no? Very abstract. Oh, there it goes. So I have no idea what this is going to be. So This is just a real-life video game okay. uh, character. Here we go. As this student's appearance demonstrates, having a lax policy about dress makes it easy for a student to conceal a weapon and makes it difficult to identify intruders on campus. What the fuck? A dress code can reduce weapons violations, relieve tensions between gangs, reduce disciplinary infractions, and generally improve the atmosphere of the school. Our policy requires that students tuck in their shirts, making the belt line visible at all times. Our students do not wear baggy pants or colors and insignias that are commonly associated with gang activity. This policy was a collaborative effort between the parents, teachers, What's and administrators in, in this community. Drugs. <laughs> you know, one grenade. and that's why we were dragged to Flint and O'Hara every summer. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't smuggle shotguns and a pair of Jinko jeans. I hope everybody realizes that this is why skinny jeans caught on. They were like, no baggy pants because you might bring a shotgun to school. <laughs> and an Uzi. And was he... no way this guy was walking around comfortably. By the way, like you can't walk. Oh, around he was standing still for stuff. twenty minutes. He's yeah. also sweating the whole time. Like, By the way, these aren't loaded, right? This no is about <laughs> this is about five thousand dollars in weaponry. Okay, <laughs> like, and not to mention, where's he put? Like, where's his fucking cache of ammo that he's bringing with him to school? Because he's not going to be five thousand dollars. $5,000 worth of guns in $15 pants. I love I love <laughs> yeah. this right here. Where he's literally yeah. like, you see, I got these shits. Like, <laughs> he's like, and after all that, you forgot about these. <laughs> Akimbo. Akimbo. Um, it's just like, I, I, we look back on these videos and they're so fucking tone deaf. You know what I mean? Like, there's no fucking way anyone would bring all of this to fuck. I mean, look, there's, hey, been, man. there's been some pretty, yeah. there's been some pretty horrible tragedies that I really don't want to get into detail on or the nitty gritty, but you know, I think it's pretty safe to say, you know, if you're bringing it to school, you're bringing it to school. No matter all, what. all I can say is most kids go to school with a backpack. I really don't think you have to worry about him hiding a fucking <laughs> rifle <laughs> in his pants. <laughs> God damn it. Oh man. That is a. Uh, that's just the '90s. That's all that video is. <laughs> That's I, true. I just can't, this guy, this guy's definitely got like frosted tips. If you could see up above his shoulders. Mm -hmm. Oh wait, actually, I think we can. I think he this was. This is where if you logged on to any. Oh no, role, not frosted tips, but he's got a fucking '90s haircut. If I've ever seen oh, yeah. one. That's a middle part. What's that? Uh, what's it say? Middle part. So we got Franz Schubert. He's at music music class right now. This is this is what '90s hair would look like. How's that look? You guys like that on me? <laughs> also, Dude. is this a mock classroom setup, or did they actually bring all these guns inside of school? Because <laughs> if they that's did, that's a really good question. If they, the molding, that's a really that's, good question. That's real molding right there. That's not a set. All the kids are on lunch break around noon. We'll do this then. All right. <laughs> you know, and what's interesting about the whole thing, kind of, is like, isn't it kind of like anti what they're trying to get across? Like, hey, don't bring weapons to school, but we're gonna show you how to do that. Like how, just don't do this. Like, here's how it's done. Don't do any of that. You know what I mean? But here's how easy it is. You know, what's funny is that these, these fucking people that make these videos about like school safety and everything are so tone deaf. 
I had to do one once um, because I was working in a school and it was this program called Protecting God's Children. It has great intentions. It's all about like, you know, making sure that children don't interact interact inappropriately with their teachers, right? I wasn't really a teacher. I was just hired hand. I was 19 at the time, right? That being said, though, they went through the entire process of how like, you know, adults groom children and pretty much the whole, it taught you how to do it and then went, hey, don't do any of that. Like, why are you just giving everyone the secrets then? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, why the fuck would they ever make that? All right. Well, before I get canceled. I'm looking up uh, protecting God's children. I'm literally doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. Not for any particular reason. No, 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 no. Oh, yeah, no. If you did anything in regards to, uh, you know, teaching or coaching for a private school, you had to do that program. Which is fine. But once again, it's literally like if, you know, if if anyone got, if anyone who was a predator got a a position and they would be like, this is great. A whole info session, you know what I mean? Like, you got any pamphlets? I yeah. Can tell? yeah. <laughs> hey, this, so, is, this is so informative. Yeah, and the worst was they would have, you know, I don't think you can be an ex predator, but they had, you know, formally, <laughs> formally charged. Stranger things have happened. You know, they had they had formally charged predators, like right. giving my thirty day chip as an ex predator. <laughs> exactly. Gi- oh. um, giving their testimony on how the techniques they used, and it's just I just sat there was like, why are they telling everyone this? Like, and they made it a big point to push, like, hey, by the way, priests don't actually do, like, it was, it was absolutely the most the way. propaganda <laughs> bullshit yeah, I've seen you guys in a go, while. We just gotta let you know. <laughs> it's pretty much what it came down to. I just like that nobody's ever called me God's child before, too. What you a grand You know what people say about you behind your back. <laughs> Is that what they're saying behind your <laughs> I mean, they call me God's Satan Spawn, <laughs> so... Hey, that's Satan true. was an angel. Well, that's the public school program. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, with that being, <laughs> what a great jumping off point. Am I right? What a great sign off. So uh, with that being said, um, uh, thanks for listening to this episode or watching this episode of Nerd Shit Live. Uh, I have, did I, did I do intros this week? They know us. Oh, okay. Well, uh, so I'm Pat. <laughs> there's Dan, uh, Nick, and... Joe, once again, we thank you guys for tuning in every single week. Everybody who's listening to this uh, on the podcast version is awesome as well. But you should definitely tune into the live streams every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Anyone who's li- watching this right now and wants to listen to it again on the go, they can check this pod- the podcast version of this show out on every major podcast app. And once again, thank you so much. We'll, uh, we'll see you next week. And, you know, hopefully we'll still have a show. <laughs> uh, ta-ta.